is your wake up call. The Breakfast Club, the show you love to hate. From the East to the West Coast. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. The realest show on the planet. This is why I respect this show because this is a voice to society. Changing the game. You guys are the, the coveted morning show, but y'all earn that. Impacting the culture. They wake up in the morning and they, they want to hear that Breakfast Club. The world's most dangerous morning show. Being a mother, being a. Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Friday. Yes, it's Friday. We are here. We made it to the weekend. How y'all feeling out there? Everybody good? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. Yeah. Crazy, crazy day yesterday. So let me shout out to my daughter. She finally got welcomed to New York City, I guess, the right way. What do you mean? She called me up and was like, Dad. I said, what's up? She was like, I just left the restaurant. And she was like, there was a guy on the corner. I said, let me guess. He was beating his meat. And she was like, how'd you know? So I described him. She was like, yeah, I said, he's outside every club, every nightclub, every restaurant. That's the same guy? The same guy. You mean, oh, you mean the same yes, dude yes, used to be in front of the 4040 club? Yes. He's still around? <laughs> he's still around beating his meat. Now, there's no way he needs, he, he should be in jail. He should be arrested. Like, how, how do people not report him? People know his face. People might know his hands and his penis. He's, by been, this he's been arrested several times. I sent really? my daughter pictures, and I was like, this is the guy. And I sent all the you times. You have pictures? Yes. <laughs> what? You know what's crazy about that dude, man? Uh, you know, and this has been going on for a long time, so we used to laugh at him. Clearly, he needs some type of help. He's been up here. What you mean he's been up here? He has been, been up here. He's been to the breakfast club. Yes, he's been to the breakfast club. Why has he been to the breakfast club? Because he manages an artist. <laughs> and, he, and when the artist came up there, he was here, and I told him to y'all. Oh yeah, he definitely got mental health issues. Then. Yes, he but, needs to be committed. But he's been he's been locked up several times. He's been locked. He's from the Bronx. He's been locked up uh, in my in Florida. He's we know his name. I know. I got his pictures. Bugshot. Yeah, he got to go to jail. Let me see him. I, 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 Do I'm not on, say his name, man. I've only man. seen him in the dark. Do not say his name. I've only seen him in the dark, and he got a shiny penis. It looks like a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen. I, I don't know his face. He needs to go to jail. Like he. I remember when Envy told us that was him up at the studio. My and dad, he my told both like, of us. Oh my gosh, Dad! This is just disgusting. He was like, he was just beating his meat, but people were walking by. I'm like, yeah, that's what he does. I said he's been doing that for decades. I said he's leading the club. He's just that's the guy beating his meat. He said just you know he be going at it. He's got some mental. Health. He's got. He's clearly got some mental health issues. Yes. I don't know what that what that is. I don't know what you would call that. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I just go see one. But I don't. I don't know. What you call that? But something's wrong. Then there gotta be no skin on his meat the way he be going, cause he be going. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. I don't, don't want to have this conversation. Anymore. All right, but I haven't even had my oatmeal yet. <laughs> I haven't had my protein shake. Nothing. You just. I'm on an empty stomach, and you want to talk about no skin being on the penises? Jesus Christ! All right. What what you wrote on that paper, John? He said world premiere of a record. I don't know, even know what the record is. Sweetie. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, First of all, oh, yeah. when a man talks about a person revealing their meat in the middle of the street <laughs> masturbating, don't you write on a piece of paper world <laughs> premiere? Okay, we don't know where this is going, Dramos. All right, guy. I'm just trying to do my job over here. Guys. We, we got we got we got we got guests today too. That's right. right. Alicia Garza will be joining Alicia us. Alicia Garza. Uh, she has. Uh, <laughs> what I said, Alicia. 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 Alicia Garza. Alicia Garza. She has an amazing book out right now that um, I, I just finished reading. It is called The Purpose of Power. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, 
She's one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, she also founded um, Black Futures Lab. You okay. know, I always refer to uh, a black agenda that she created that I think is very dope, a comprehensive black agenda. So Elise is an amazing, amazing person to talk to, man. And The Purpose of Power is a great book. I'm telling you, it humanizes the Black Lives Matter movement, the Black Lives Matter organization in a way that I've never even thought about. Right. Black Lives Matter was a topic of the debate last night, too. All right, we'll get into debate up next. And also, Angela Rye will be joining My us this morning. My sister, AR-40. About to be AR-41, Angela Rye. All right. Joining us. All right, so we'll kick it with all them in front page news, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Let's get into this world premiere. Who is it now? Saweetie and Janae Eiko. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Uh, the Giants played last night. They did football. I didn't know football was on last night. It shouldn't have Who been Who did they play? Played the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, my God. That was a game that should not have happened. Now, in this era of coronavirus and everybody trying to social distance and not be away from each other, we don't need no NFC East teams playing against each other. I lost that money, g- too. That game should not have happened. I lost $100 betting on the Giants. But anyway, they was up. They was up to the fourth quarter. They was up two touchdowns to the fourth quarter. I woke up this morning and I see they lost. I thought they, I thought they had it. They lost 21-22. What else are we talking about, Yee? Uh, well, let's talk about the debate last night, of course. This is the second debate from for Biden and Trump. And, you know, they had the muting of the microphones for the first two minutes. I think that helped. Donald Trump was a lot calmer. His hands were going crazy, but he wasn't as, what would I say, combative as he was in the first debate. Now, one thing that they did discuss was Black Lives Matter, which I just told you. Listen to this. The first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter, they were chanting pigs in a blanket, talking about police. Pigs, pigs, talking about our police. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. I said, that's a horrible thing. And they were marching down the street. And that was my first uh, glimpse of Black Lives Matter. I thought it was a terrible thing. All right. I was watching after the debate. Joanne Reed said she was actually covering that march, and no one was saying that. That's not even true. And no, I mean, I don't know if it was that march, but it was definitely a march where um, it, was a, it was a group of people who had infiltrated BLM, and they were definitely marching down the street saying that. Cause that that's, that's, I've, heard, I've heard that video myself, but that mm-hmm. don't necessarily— I've always said that doesn't represent what Black Lives Matter is about and what Black Lives Matter stands for just because you got some bad apples in that organization. And when you hear Alicia Garza talk about it, it, everybody can claim Black Lives Matter. That doesn't mean they are part of that organization. Exactly. Now, another thing that uh, Donald Trump was talking about was coronavirus. Here is Biden and Trump on coronavirus. He says that we're, uh, you know, we're learning to live with it. People are learning to die with it. You folks home will have an empty chair at the kitchen table this morning. That man or wife going to bed tonight and reaching over to try to touch their out of habit where their wife or husband was is gone. We're dying with it because he's never said, you see, you said it's dangerous. When's the last time? Is it really dangerous still? And you say, I take no responsibility. Let me talk about your two. Excuse me, I take, I take full responsibility. It's not my fault that he came here. It's China's fault. I tell you what, man. If I didn't know what fascism looks like, and I didn't understand the severity of Trump having control of, you know, of, of all the federal courts, the DOJ, if I didn't understand that a president can't really get anything done without having control of the Senate and the House. If Senator Harris wasn't on the ticket, I would probably write in this year a vote third party because both those guys are trash. Okay, they represent what's wrong with America. An old white male politician and his boss, an old rich white man. I didn't like I, I, that, that, I didn't like nothing I saw last night, to be totally honest with you. Nope. 
Now, when it comes to immigration, you know, there are 545 children who have not been reunited with their parents that are still, they can't figure out how to get their, them back together with their family. And here's what Donald Trump had to say about the children at the border. The United States can't locate the parents of more than 500 children. So how will these families ever be reunited? Uh, children are brought here by coyotes and lots of bad people, cartels, and they're brought here and they used to use them to get into our country. We now have as strong a border as we've ever had. And we let people in, but they have to come in legally and they come in through But America. how will you reunite these kids you, with their families, Mr. President? They built cages. Do you they have a built plan cages. to reunite the kids? Yes, we're working families? on it very, we're, we're trying very hard. Who built the cages, though? That's what I, that was a question that didn't get answered last night. Trump said the Obama administration built those cages. And he kept asking Joe, who built the cages? Joe couldn't answer. I will say this, though. We'll say with Obama, they were not separating uh, young children from their parents and their families and not being able to reunite them. Donald Trump said these uh, kids are being treated very well. And I'm sure they'd much rather be with their families than separated. I'm, not, make, I'm not making no excuses for either one of them. I think all of them got dirt on their hands. And you see that last night. Both of them trying to throw mud at each other when they both, both, both corrupt. I personally think so. Well, that is your front page news. And, right. and, and you know what else, too? The way Trump sounds trying to defend COVID is how Biden sounds trying to defend the 94 crime bill. I don't know. I really don't anymore. All right. Well, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Yolanda. Hey, Yolanda, calling from the Carolinas, huh? Well, actually, I'm calling from Florida. Oh, okay. I seen a Carolina number pop up. All right, but get it off your chest, mama. I'm sorry you calling from Florida. <laughs> yeah, so am I. Okay, y'all are talking about something that Biden did 30 years ago. Oh, my God. Stop it. We're, gonna st we're not going to have this conversation. Let you know why? Speak. Because people are still in jail for the 94 crime bill now. Let speak. Now, y'all, okay, President Trump's an idiot. I already know that. Very but true. But his bills that he has passed for taxes cover all the rich people, but it's going to end for all the poor people. 30 years ago, I mean, come on, I was in the 90s. The 94 crime bill, people are still in prison for the 94 crime bill now. What are we talking about? Okay, did they commit a crime? Low-level uh, low drug offenses, a dime bag okay. of weed, a 20 a rock get you 30 years. I will say that Joe Biden has said that it, it is it was a mistake. No, he said that it, he yes, said he that it was a mistake that black people asked him to do. Is the difference between saying something was a mistake and that you made a mistake? It's a big difference. But the, con back, but back, the congressional the black 90s, caucus and back in the nineties, he used to call it the Biden crime bill. Now, now thirty years later, that people on his ass about it. It's not the Biden crime bill anymore. It was something black people wanted him to do. Come on, we got to But didn't but didn't everybody support it back then? In the 90s, when crack was a problem, yeah, it should have been a bill. Period. Okay. I mean, a lot of people did support the 94 crime bill. A lot of and black, a lot people, of black did people did support did not it also. support the 94 crime bill as well. A lot of black people pushed back against the 94 crime bill and told people what was going to happen. But listen, I'm voting for Biden Harris is, is what I'm, is regardless, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I like either candidate. I don't like either one either. That's all I'm saying. should make a decision for an adult human being. God, everybody free will. So let's okay. not let's not let's they not argue. Let's 
Let's not argue. They don't about, about us. Yes, let's not argue about white men that really don't give a damn about either one of us this morning. Okay. Let's that just... is true, but we gotta <laughs> pick one or the other. I'm. I told you who I'm picking. Well, I'm voting for Senator Kamala Harris. That's what I'm voting for. Thank you, Mama. Hello, who's this? What's up, man? This is DG. I'm from the 757. What up, brother? Get it off your chest. Hey, man, the other day I was at work, man. I started on myself, man. Congratulations. Oh, man, we've all been there, bro. <laughs> That's good luck, bro. I've been there before. Hey, look, man. Everybody follow me on Instagram, KingDGKING.DG. So, talking about you, that, and you want us to follow you. That's what he wanted to get off his chest. I respect yeah, it. Yeah, man. I, I had to let everybody know, man. I'm a starter. Right. Why, why didn't you um why didn't you post it on the gram? I tried to, but they, they blocked me, man. They didn't want to see all that. So what did you do? Did you go home? You tried to post after it? After you shot it? No, when I was at work, I just wiped it off my butt, put a little uh dab water oh to it, gosh. and I just kept going. Still and you caught. got them dirty ass underwear on? No, nah, uh I, I took them off and just free ball. Alright, your nickname from now on is Shardy Low, okay? <laughs> Shardy <laughs> Low. Yeah, you gotta tell everybody. Well, Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent or you need to shark, call us now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm telling. I'm telling. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm telling. I'm calling call you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Telling people to your point, right, that... Hello, who's this? Yo, Butterscotch Bud Envy, Big Chocolate Toast. Like, how we doing, kid? Hey, Gosh. Big so, Chocolate the Toast. So listen, what up? listen, I got to get off my chest and thank uh, Molly from White Plains, New York. Love your toes. I got to thank Foxwood Casino, yes. Mohegan Sun Casino, made some money. And I, in Connecticut, had a good time. And Charlemagne, I'm going to buy you lunch today. I'm buy you a little turkey sandwich with toe jam, and that'll fill your belly, okay? You can stop uh. talking about the man's meat. All right? Speaking Peace. of meat. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, who's this? It's like Derek, but with a T. Tarek. What's up, Tarek? Yes, sir. What's up, man? This is a dream come true. Y'all don't understand, man. I'm from Kansas, Kansas City, Kansas. The 913. Shout out to everybody in Wyandotte County. Mad love. Uh, whew, so much to get off my chest, man. I listen to y'all every morning. Uh, first of all, how y'all doing? Good morning, God. I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I caught y'all. This is rare. Y'all don't answer Kansas phone calls. What's up with that? No, well, we're not in Kansas anymore, sir. Anything else, sir? I got a lot. Uh, I got your first book, Charlemagne, but let me get that second one, please. Can you get that one sent to me? You know what? I can send you that, and I can send you a copy of Rita Walker's book, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. I had a bunch of copies. Yes, sir. I bought like, I bought like 100 copies of Dr. Rita's book. And I had them up here for a while. I need to start sending those out. I don't know why I haven't done that. People need those, that, that, especially around this time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm going to get your Another address season. from our producer. Dan- Daniel, leave your uh, address when you... One more thing. One more thing. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to get into modeling. I look good. I look real good. Oh, boy. So uh, my Instagram is the numerical number one. And then my name, Tarek, T as in Tom, E-R-R-I-K. Taylor's looking it up. We're gonna tell you, we're gonna tell you if, if you handsome or not. How you look, Taylor? Well, dramas. How you I'm, look? I'm not looking it up. You know, for Kansas boy, I'm decent. Damn, what you saying? Is mad ugly people in Kansas? They all look like Dorothy's dog, Toto. <laughs> hey man, it's, hey, I, hey, I gotta live here. I ain't gonna say nothing. I like Kansas. <laughs> all right, brother, have a good one. Love you. Love you too, Love King. You back. Get it off your chest. What do you look Eight like, Taylor? Five eight five. Model material. Charlamagne, you interested? Let me see. 
Um, he, could be a, he could definitely be an extra in a Tyler Perry movie for no. sure. <laughs> All for right. sure. We got rumors on the way? Uh, yes, and let's talk about The Rock. Are you ready to see Young Rock? We'll tell you about it. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'll be riding in the car and be like, I can't believe this song's on the radio. No. That's a lot. There's been a, a lot of worse songs than <laughs> no, this No, I'm with song. you. I'm with you. I'm just old now. So I'll be riding. I'll be like, this is, I can't believe this is on the radio. It has been some songs worse than the WAP song. Absolutely. I don't remember those songs playing on the radio, though. Like I could what? be. I don't remember. What? You don't? I don't remember Akinelli put it in your mouth. That was definitely on the radio. The radio I remember York. that. Really? What about Waiting You See My. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Come on. All them songs. You're right. Waiting You See My. You're right. You're right. All right. Well, let's get to the rumors. Let's talk to Rock. Maybe the clean version was just better. Maybe. That's the rumor report. Rumor report. This is the rumor report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee. That, that's what it was, Yee. The clean versions were just better back then. That's all. Okay. That's what it was. All right. Well, yesterday, The Rock made an announcement on Instagram. He said, my fellow Americans, Young Rock has officially begun filming. Our new wildly funny and unbelievable show for NBC explores my true life events during my formative years from growing up in the surreal and tough world of pro wrestling to being a broke kleptomaniac to hanging out in honky tonks at 15 years old in Nashville and deciding I was going to be an outlaw country singer. Was he born with pecs? To winning... Did he come out the womb with track muscles? To winning the national championship at the University of Miami, the baddest boys college football has ever seen, period. What a fun and wild show, and can't wait to deliver it to you guys in 2021. Was it Rock a little diesel-ass baby? Huh? I don't know. What did he look like when he was that young? Mm. But they are going to be debuting this on NBC. All right, Kodak Black, in the meantime, has announced a new album and docuseries is coming, and it is called Bill Is Real. So even though he is still in jail and he can't personally send out messages to his fans, he's been relaying statements to everybody through his friends and through his attorney. So they did announce Bill Is Real, which is his upcoming project. Uh, they said details are scarce, but it looks like it'll be a docuseries there as well. How much time does Kodak um, Black have? That's a good question. He seems yeah. like he's been here for a minute. <laughs> I know. Because well, they just moved him to a new facility. He's been having all kinds of issues. I don't even remember they the charges. Me neither. I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, you know, he said he was being tortured behind bars. He was being abused. Um, according to uh, Kodak Black, guards gave him a gang beating after he arrived. They said that he says they've been violating his rights. And that led to his mouth bleeding, vomiting, lacerations, all these things. So... Mm. You know, more Kodak Black. All right, I Love New York is coming back. You guys like Tiffany Pollard? I you think, excited I think, to see I think, her come back to TV? I think Tiffany New York Pollard is one of the most talented reality show uh, people ever. Is there a butt? Well, no. There's, there will be a one-hour reunion special, I Love New York, reunited. Do people care, though? It seems like that hasn't yes. been on TV for a long People love time. New York still to this day, man. New York is iconic to some people. My, my, my homegirl, Courtney, loves... Uh, Loves uh, Tiffany Pollard. Okay. And, and she, she has, has brunch with Tiffany yeah. already, that uh -huh. show um, on VH1. I did that. she interviews people. Yeah, I did that show with her. Yep. Back in the day. Yeah, so okay. there you have it. So we can uh, uh, see that as well. All right. Now, Bubba Wallace's new NASCAR team has a Michael Jordan-inspired team name, number, and logo. So the team was named um, 2311 in reference to the jersey number that Jordan wore while playing in the NBA and the number 11 car. Uh, that the other owner, actually, Hamlin, has raced with for the past 14 seasons. So that is the team, 2311.
But it's like Roman, it's 23 and then the Roman numerals 11, just FYI. Mm-hmm. And yes. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, we got front page news coming up. What are we talking about? Yes, we have to get more into the debate that went down last night. Uh, we'll give you some more info on what was said about other things uh, like coronavirus and healthcare and all of that. All right. We'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. It's DJ Envy, and for 55 years, the General Insurance has been giving people affordable auto insurance with excellent customer service. Get custom coverage that's right for you and immediate proof of insurance. Call them at 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. All right. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Thank yep. God it's Friday, too, man. Thank God it is Friday. I am really looking forward to doing nothing. You and me. <laughs> nothing tonight. Both. Nothing is my favorite thing to do. And you know what I like to do nothing with? Some wine and some edibles. Okay? Wow. That's right. All right. Okay. All right. But well, y'all don't drink and do drugs? Let's get in some front page <laughs> I'm news. the only one? All right. Now, uh, you want to talk football? We ain't got to talk football. Giants lost. That's all you need to know. I lost $100. Why would you bet on the Giants? Seriously, why would you bet on the Giants? I made that I know bet. that's your team, but why? I made the bet before the season started. Oh, okay, okay. So it was like one of those things I was like, all right, we, we might be all right, and then we just weren't all right, and I couldn't take the bet back, so. NFL cancel all NFC East games. This is coming from a Dallas Cowboy fan. I think uh, Cowboys fans, Redskins fans, Giants fans, Eagles fans can all agree. Cancel all NFC East games um, because of COVID. I'm with you. All right, well, what else are we talking about, Yee? Pointless all right, well, let's talk about the debate last night. Uh, what did you guys think about the moderator, Kristen Welker? I thought she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal job. But mm-hmm. you know why, though? Because uh, the, the, they the muted can- the candidates' microphones. Not only, not only that, but both of the candidates, well, at least Trump. Trump was even-tempered. Trump wasn't in his Trump bag last night. He was he was more mm-hmm. stable than we probably have ever seen him. Because you can't really blame those moderators for the, the first two debates, man. Those guys are out of control. All right, well, let's discuss what happened. Now, of course, the 94 crime bill comes up, and here is what happened. In the 80s, we passed 100%, all 100 senators voted for it, a bill on drugs and how to deal with drugs. It was a mistake. I've been trying to change the sense, and particularly the portion on cocaine. That's why I've been arguing that, in fact, we should not send anyone to jail for a pure drug offense. They should be going into treatment. That's what we've been trying to do. That's what I'm going to get done, because I think the American people have now seen that, in fact, it was a mistake to pass those laws relating to drugs. But they were not in the crime bill. You had eight years to get it done. Now you're saying you're going to get it done because you're all talking no action, Jim. We got a lot of it done. We released 38,000 prisoners left from the... You got nothing done. You know, the the way Trump sounds trying to defend his response to coronavirus is how Biden sounds trying to defend the 94 crime bill. It was a mistake, but was it your mistake? Because back in the day, you called it the Biden crime bill. You took full responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. Now you blame it on other people and say other people wanted wanted you to do it, and it, it was just a mistake. Imagine you cheat on your girl, and you say... It was a mistake. My boys told me to do it. You think that you think that's gonna fly? Well, nah. what can he, what <laughs> can he say now? You apologize and you you know you show legislation and you make policy commitments to, to uh, rectify the situation. This is what I'm going to do moving forward. This X, Y, and Z. These things. This is what I'm gonna do. Right. I think that's what he did try to say is that moving forward, that's why he you know it was a mistake. These are the parts that were a mistake, and here's what we're trying to do moving forward. And Donald Trump's saying you didn't do those things that whole time that you were in office. That's a good point. Now another thing that that Donald Trump. Uh, is always having to 
defend is his taxes. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. We learned that this president paid 50 times the tax in China, has a secret bank account with China, does business in China, and in fact is talking about me taking money. Number two, this is a president. I have released all of my tax returns, 22 years. Go look at them. You have not released a single solitary year of your tax return. What are you hiding? Why are you unwilling? The foreign countries are paying you a lot. Russia's paying you a lot. China's paying you a lot. All right. Now, another thing that comes up was Donald Trump was talking about Hunter Biden and the whole Ukraine investigation. Here's uh, what he said. Very quickly. His son didn't have a job for a long time, was sadly no longer in the military service. I won't get into that. And he didn't have a job. As soon as he became vice president, Burisma, not the best reputation in the world. I hear they paid him 183000 a month. And they gave him a $3 million upfront payment. All right. And he had no I, energy. I'm going to let the vice president That's respond to that quickly, and then dishonest. I need to get to a question to you. Very No basis for that. Everybody investigated that. No one said anything he did was wrong in Ukraine. You know why those attacks don't work on Biden? Because Trump is trying to question somebody's character. Because of Trump, nobody cares about character. Okay. <laughs> Trump, Trump ripped up the playbook on character. You don't care. Well, Aubrey O'Day took to her page on social media and said, since Trump has now lowered this debate to trashing family, Don Jr. hates his father, Ivanka is a lesbian on the low, mm. Eric F. Miss Universe on the apprentice boardroom okay. table while with his now wife. <laughs> All right. He said, it's not about my family or your family. It's about your family, points to the American people. Talk to your country, Mr. President. And while we're at it, I have texts of Don Jr. telling me what a little ish hole Barron is. They were on the private jet and Barron didn't like his food, so he threw the plate across the plane at the attendant. None of these people are innocent of being a-holes and liars. See, that's, that's, the tea that's, I, crazy. that's the tea I was missing last night. That's what I'm really upset about. Last night was boring as hell. You know what I'm saying? I sat there, had my snacks, getting ready to see some action, and they both want to be stable. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that what you want from your president? No! Not when it's a reality show star on stage. I want a reality show, goddammit. My goodness. All right? You didn't? Yes, I did. Exactly. I where, where was the flies? I had to go back to the Giants game. <laughs> right up with you. Where, where, where was, was the flies? flies? Nobody, where was the, it wasn't entertaining last night. All right. All right. Well, that's, well, your, that's front your front page, page news. news. All right. Now, when we come back, Alicia Garza will be joining oh, us. Oh, man. I love Alicia Garza. She's one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. She has a new book out called The Purpose of Power. All okay. Right. And it really does humanize the Black Lives Matter movement and the Black Lives Matter organization in a, in, a, in a real way. It's a great read. All right. We'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Everybody is DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building, Alicia Garza. Good morning. That's right. One of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, and she has a new book out called The Purpose of Power How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. That is a very powerful title, Alicia. Yes, it is. And you know, our sister Angela um, helped inspire me around this title. Uh, she and I were going off about what's going on in the elections. Angela Ryan. <laughs> yes, Angela Ryan. Need I say anymore? Anywho, we were talking about really the need for our movements 
to better understand what it is that we're fighting for. We're not fighting for seats, cabinet positions, anything like that. We're fighting for power. And so the purpose of power became the title of this book. Can we go back to the Black Lives Matter movement? And you're one of the founders. Can we start how how that was founded? I mean, Black Lives Matter really comes out of uh, the murder of Trayvon Martin and the subsequent acquittal of George Zimmerman in his murder. But it's much bigger than police violence. And I think so much of what people know about Black Lives Matter is policing, right? And Mm -hmm. the protests that people see on TV or that they attend themselves. But I can say that one of the reasons I wrote this book, honestly, is because very few people know about the offline work that goes into social change. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I talk about in the book. And it's important to note that it's not all glamorous work, right? A lot of times we see these celebrities or people who are just using different platforms to speak on things, but there's a lot more that goes into starting a movement and organizing than just being on a platform or starting a hashtag. So that's something that you also address in your book and how you were raised and how that plays a role and how you even started becoming this organizer, right? So can you talk about how your background and your family, your mother in particular, actually encouraged you? I sure will. And thank you for saying that because honestly, that is a big thing that people don't know is that it's not glamorous work and that the work is hard. And, you know, so many people, I think, see what's happening on social media and they think, you know, oh, I want to start a hashtag so I can start a movement so that I can have a lot of followers. (laughs) And I talk about in the book how that's actually not what we're fighting for. And that's not what is going to create change. Um, Hashtags don't uh, start movements, people do. And I say this in the book. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do in this book is talk about how it is that people start movements. For me, myself, the first kind of lesson that I ever got in politics was from my mom who passed away a couple of years ago. And I really learned from her that dignity and survival is at the core of everything that we are fighting for and at the core of everything that we do. She fundamentally believed that we are all each other's responsibility and that everybody should have the right to live with dignity. You you did a great job of of humanizing BLM and the purpose of power, Um, not just BLM, but in particular yourself, Patrice, and and Opal, not just personally, you know, but but the movement itself. In Chapter 11, voting can be a movement, very timely chapter for right now. You actually questioned BLM and admitted that y'all didn't have a clear set of demands to, to take on the campaign trail, and y'all didn't hold Hillary Clinton accountable for her role in mass incarceration. Do you think the movements have done a better job this time around, this election cycle doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think we're learning a lot. In 2016, yes, Um I think our movements, and this isn't just limited to BLM, as I say in the book, but our movements are relatively ambivalent about elections. And I understand why. Um, You and I have talked about this a ton, right? Mm -hmm. People don't feel like these processes actually deliver the things that we need. And in a lot of ways, they're right. But some of the thing that happens here is that um, we haven't figured out what our engagement looks like that's on our terms and not their terms. Mm. And so um, lots of people don't know that, for example, even though we decided not to endorse a candidate, and I think that was still the right decision, we were also engaging with candidates behind the scenes. We were calling for a Black Lives Matter debate from the DNC and got shut down promptly by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who then ultimately 
got ousted because it looked like she was trying to rig <laughs> the process for Hillary Clinton. Um, we had campaign conversations with their staff people, policy campaign uh, discussions where, you know, when they were starting to talk about um, trans rights and they were starting to talk about education, that's because they were getting pushed by BLM. But at the end of the day, when it became clear that this election was going to go in a certain direction and everybody's voice needed to be unified, um, we couldn't we couldn't show up for that. And that wasn't just a question of our movement. It was a question of many movements who were engaging thousands and thousands and sometimes millions of people, but not putting out a clear message about how we approach these stages and how we both hold the contradiction of nothing's going to change without us, right? But they're going to keep going without us even if we don't right. participate. So we might as well throw in and get our influence in the mix. And you also created, with some research, uh, tons of research, a Black agenda. And I see a lot of people coming up with their Black agendas now. Can you talk about your Black agenda? Um, this agenda, and you can find it at blacktothefuture.org. Um, this agenda is not the radical agenda, it is the black unity agenda. <laughs> and it's something that we've been pushing for the last year, trying to get this adopted by campaigns, trying to get it adopted by political parties. But frankly, what we're doing is we're changing rules in cities and states using this agenda. We've already organized 70,000 black voters around this agenda. Um, and we know that 70,000 black voters are using this agenda right now as they're making decisions up and down the ballot. So. You know, for folks who are listening and you want to get involved, we are using this agenda as an organizing tool to change the rules that have been rigged against us for generations. And we're also training our people how to write, win, and design the rules. So we're not just asking people to give us stuff, right? right. We are actually trying to change the balance of power and the Black Agenda 2020 is the first step. What's the three biggest things that you've seen that you would say that people wanted? You know, Charlemagne, you were so great yesterday on Don Lemon. I was listening because I was in the Thank segment you. after you. I'm inspired and by you, people like you. You just made it clear. You said, look, we want to understand and we want to get better and stronger around our economics. And that was the number one issue that kept black folks up at night in the black census was wages that were too low to support a family. And then of course, followed by other safety net issues that also have to do with wealth. And we didn't just look at problems in the agenda, we looked at solutions. Uh, and the majority of people in our survey said that number one, um, they don't believe that politicians care about us or our families. Number two, that when it comes to policing and police violence, that we want police to be held accountable when they commit crimes in our communities. And number three, what people said was that they want government to take more of a role in being responsible for everyone. So right now, the way that people see government is that it's only geared towards people who are wealthy and people who are white. And what our folks said was, you know, that has to change. We need to start uh, making people uh, pay their fair share if you make over a certain amount of money. Um, we have to make sure that government, right, is really establishing a floor and a baseline for everybody's human dignity. All right, we have more with Alicia Garza. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Alicia Garza. Charlamagne? I want to ask a question. 13 days to the election, you know, you got the black census, you got your black agenda. 
whose agenda is, is, is more in line with the black census and your agenda? Is it the Lift Every Voice plan or the Platinum plan by Donald Trump? <laughs> okay, well, without question, it's the Lift Every Voice plan. The Platinum plan is like one page. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had to keep it simple because there's nothing in there. Right. <laughs> but I'm also going to say, just to be honest, that Lift Every Voice plan needs a lot of work. And we have been fighting for the last eight months to get this campaign to really hone in on the nuances of what black communities need. I think in some ways, and I'm just going to be super honest here, I think they're used to um, engaging like a very established uh, uh, framework when it comes to uh, dealing with black communities. And that doesn't match the times that we're in. And if the man who's in charge stays in charge, he plans to be in charge for a very long time. It ain't no yes. four-year cycle. That's right. He another cycle. So we got to handle this bird right now. And then <laughs> we keep pushing. And I will tell you, you know, I say in the book as well that Elections are not about personalities. It's not about how who you would have over for dinner. I don't think I would want Joe Biden over at my house for dinner. Me but neither. I will tell you this. Um, it's about picking the terrain I want to fight on. And the terrain I want to fight on will allow me to fight for another day. Um, and if this man stays president, we don't have that terrain. And we may not be able to fight another day. So it's super clear to me. I hope it's clear to everybody who's listening, too. What are your thoughts on engaging, though? Like, let's just say, because we've seen uh, yeah. people say, look, if you don't know who's going to be in power. You should engage with whoever that person is in order to create change instead of saying, OK, I don't support that person. I won't engage. What are your thoughts on that? I think we're mixing up a lot of things. So number one, absolutely, it's important to engage with people who are in power. Uh, but we also have to do that with a clear set of eyes. Um, and engaging with uh, Donald Trump, is it's not an ideological thing. It's a practical thing. And um, what he has shown over and over again is that he is not for black people. And that when he does actually talk about black folks, it's really just to enrich himself. Um, we could take the First Step Act, for example, right? He did a lot. There was a lot of hoopla around how he was the one who pushed the first, you know, criminal justice reform plan um, from the, you know, that's from the Republican side. But I can say this, um, he also talked a bunch of crap about it. And mm -hmm. he only uses it, right, when he wants to talk to black folks about why we should suspend our disbelief and actually suspend what we see right in front of our eyes and maybe think about voting for him. I understand our desire for change. And I think that the way that we make change is through organizing. What are your thoughts on, on Joe Biden? I know you said you wouldn't invite him to your house for dinner, but, but what are your thoughts as, as a person to him and as a president if he's elected? Uh, a lot of people don't seem to necessarily care for him and care more for Kamala Harris. So what are your thoughts on Biden? And don't look up like that. <laughs> She's in deep thought. <laughs> don't you look up like that. Like, how can I answer this? Without getting people not uh, not not wanting to vote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm sure he's an, a nice guy. <laughs> the way that I approach politicians, and whether it be people I really like or whether I don't like them, is about the policies that they move forward. And, you know, I, I, I'm clear about what I need to be doing in this cycle. But it doesn't mean I can't be critical of um, of this person. And at the same time, he has expected support from our community and frankly has gotten it 
without very many demands. Um, my congresswoman is actually, it's a lot different. Um, she got put into Congress on an anti-war mandate. That's just the kind of flavor of where we're from. But I can tell you what, if she strayed from that, it would be a problem and she would be contested in her elections. And she understands that. She also has a deep sense of accountability to her community. And that's what I think politics needs to look like. It doesn't look like that right now, but it won't look like that if we don't fight for it to look like that. So that's why we do the work we do at the Black to the Future Action Fund and the Black Futures Lab. Chapter 13 in the Purpose of Power. Um, that, that was one that touched me too. Imposter syndrome and the patriarchy. And you describe yourself as a survivor of imposter syndrome. I, I've never looked at it like that. Break, break that down for me. Mm, well, imposter syndrome is really the notion that um, you don't belong here. Mm -hmm. That you're not good enough, right? And really successful people have imposter syndrome. Part of the fight that I engage in every single day, among many, is being seen as capable intelligent, worthy, right? Not just from myself, but from others. And even in terms of this movement, you know, Patrice and Opal and I, um, and so many other activists in this movement have encountered things that are undescribable. And yet at the same time, it doesn't matter how much I do here, People are always going to look for the man who's leading. They're always going to be waiting for um, the next the next coming of Martin Luther King. And that is something that I needed to point out here because we can't reach what we're trying to reach if we continue to try and repeat uh, eras that no longer exist. For me, I really wanted people to better understand what is the consequence right, of the stories that we tell ourselves and each other about what successful movements look like, what um, uh, successful leaders look like, right, and the impact that we have on the change that we see. It's not a competition between men and women. It's really about equity and equality and how can we encourage all of us to step forward and to take ownership of our accomplishments while also giving shine to other folk, right? I think we can do all those things at the same time. The, the reason I love that chapter, though, is because I've never looked at it as surviving imposter syndrome. You know, I, for me, you know, I've definitely suffered from imposter syndrome, but when I, when I finally got to that place where I felt like I was over it, I felt like I was getting to a place of worthy, right? Yeah. I, was, I, was, I felt worthy to be in the position that I'm in. So I wonder what happens when you don't survive imposter syndrome. Well, when you don't survive imposter syndrome, you stop striving, mm. right? You stop striving, you stop glowing, you stop shining. And frankly, you stop trying, you stop creating, you stop innovating. And um, the reason I put this chapter in the book is because I wanted to expose that. I wanted to show us that in a lot of ways, we're cutting off our nose to spite our face. We need to build a movement in the millions, and that means we need all the talent, all the creativity, but we also have to break down um, these ways of relating to each other that are deeply, deeply unhealthy, and they lead to uh, self-hate, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, that is hard to recover from. So if we're going to build movements that last, one of the things I argue is that we have to learn how to engage our pain and our trauma in such a way where 
we don't tear each other up and we don't eat each other alive from the inside. We have, we're in an intersection where we have to give care to the things that need to die away, right? All the ways in which our society and our economy is organized that don't serve us, we need to give care to it to wither away. But then we also need to give care to the things that we're trying to birth. And I think we're in an unprecedented moment where we get to do both at the same time. All right, well, don't move. We got more with Alicia Garza. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Run that back, Turbo. You can get the biggest Chanel back in the store if you want it. I gave them the drill. They set it up. I got them on it. I bought a new paddock. I had the white, so I two-toned them. Taking these drawers, I'm going to be up until the morning. It ain't your car. You just Alicia. You don't own it. If I'm in the club, I got that fine one up performing. The back end just came in and all hundreds. Vibes get low, cute. They all on us. I'm from Atlanta where young. I know they hating on me, but I don't read comments. Whenever I tell her to come, she comes. Whenever it smoke, we ain't running. Drip too hard, don't stand too close. You won't run and drown off this way. Doing all these shows, I've been on the road. I don't care why I go, long as I get paid. Bad little fight, she been on my mind. Soon as I get back, she can stay. Do this all the time, this ain't no surprise. Every other night, another movie get made. Drip too hard, don't stand too close. You won't run and drown off this way. Doing all these shows. I've been on the road, I don't care where I go, long as I get paid. Bad little fight, she been on my mind. Soon as I get back, she can stay. Do this all the time, this ain't no surprise. Every other night, another movie get made. Every other night, another dollar get made. Every other night, started with a good day. I feel like a child, I got boogers in the face. I'm dancing in the dollar, this shit is a parade. I don't want your train, I'm going one another slave. I had that draw that too many bitches getting saved. Huh. TSA arrest me, so I took a private plane. Get like a while, I'm working on my hand. Drip too hard, charge to the car, designer to the ground, I can barely spell a name. Drip too hard, caution on the floor, you gon' fuck around and drown, try and ride it the way. Drip too hard, don't stand too close, you gon' fuck around and drown off this way. Doing all these shows, I've been on the road, I don't care why I go, long as I get paid. Bad little fight, she been on my mind, soon as I get back, she can stay. Do this all the time, this ain't no surprise, every other night another movie get made. Too hard, don't stand too close. You won't run and drown off this way. Doing all these shows, I've been on the road. I don't care why I go, long as I get paid. Bad little fight, she been on my mind. Soon as I get back, she can stay. Do this all the time. This ain't no surprise. Every other night, another movie get made. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Alicia Garza. Charlamagne. Chapter 17 was another was another one. Platforms, pedestals, and profiles. I, I texted you last night to tell you that that chapter moved me spiritually because you break down exactly what a person should be using their platform for. And you ask a question, which I think everyone with a platform should ask themselves, for what and for whom are you building a platform and profile? Could, could, could you elaborate on that question? I mean, for me, my purpose is to make black communities powerful in every aspect of our lives. And I have chosen to focus on the realm of politics in order to do that. I have encountered a lot of people in this movement, not just like BLM, right? But in the movement work that I have done, especially in the last decade, where I think the reason that people are in it is because they want to be close to celebrities. Mm-hmm. They want to have a massive social media platform. They want millions of people to follow them. They want to be seen. And um, that's a very human desire, but it's not in the service of movement, right? That's in the service of yourself. And if you mm-hmm. want to be a celebrity, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
but that is not compatible with the aims and goals of a movement. It doesn't matter if you have a million Twitter followers, you can have five and still you be- still do the work. Exactly. And I find that I'll look on, cause right now it's so easy to spread false information, you know? And I see that you've worked with a lot of different organizations. You worked with Planned Parenthood, correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And I always hear people say really negative things about Planned Parenthood. So I just wanted you to talk about Planned Parenthood. I see you're doing something with Cecile Richards, who used to be uh, the president of Planned Parenthood. So if you could just talk about your experience there and why you think um, Planned Parenthood is beneficial for our community. Sure. You know, I talk in the book about my history with Planned Parenthood. I, uh, in college, learned about Uh, the role that Margaret Sanger played, not just in that organization, let's be clear, but in the movement around um, reproductive rights. And what Margaret Sanger was fighting for was the ability of white women to determine when and where they wanted to start families. And when it came to women of color and poor women and immigrant women, she didn't believe that um, our families were um, fit to reproduce. And so she was at the same time a reproductive rights um, crusader. She was at the same time a member of the eugenics movement. And that's not about Planned Parenthood. That's about a movement, right, that allows for that kind of bifurcation where white women can get access to things, right? (laughs) Black women and women of color and immigrant women and poor women, right? Get the short end of the stick. Um, With that being said, I talk in the book about how all of our lives have been shaped by an incredibly powerful conservative movement. Yes. And that, you know, part of what that has looked like is policy wars and culture wars. And then what happens is because we have a rightful distrust of the information that we hear, we buy into their narrative easily because it's it's uh, anti-establishment. And now over the last few years, they've been testing on our communities how it is that they can make inroads. It's not good for them for their movement to be seen as an all white movement. So they wanna break off segments of our communities. And some of the core things that they use are conversations around healthcare, which is how Planned Parenthood gets involved, uh, and conversations about Black Lives Matter. And the danger here, right, is that um, we have to figure out, number one, how it is that we control and shape our own stories and how we have the apparatus to disseminate those stories. Mm-hmm. So shout out to you, Charlemagne, for building this huge platform, right, around getting Black voices out there into the world. But we also have to be able to call out and hold accountable those who try to manipulate us Mm -hmm. into um, doing things that don't actually benefit the majority of our communities. It's very distorted. Like, even if we look at Black Lives Matter, I mean, I've heard it's anti-law. I've heard it's anti-white. I heard it's a terrorist organization. Anti-police, yeah. I've heard all of that, you know. And Mm -hmm. what do you say to people that just really don't understand? Because especially mostly white people, when they hear Black Lives Matter, it's like, kryptonite they all of a sudden they start covering their face they start running they get so mad yeah so what what do you say to that because a lot of that information is distorted and all wrong we've been pretty transparent and pretty clear about what we're for from the very beginning you know on days when i'm feeling okay i try to put the attacks that we get from the president and rudy giuliani and you know, all the ways in which we get used as political footballs, I try to put that aside and put it into the bigger picture. Because they don't have a record to stand on, they attack us directly around our record. And 
I would stand for our record any day. So uh, our team, um, the Movement for Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, and so many other entities uh, introduced the BREATHE Act, right? Which is our generation's version of the Civil Rights Act. What has Donald Trump or any of these people done about racial justice and around police violence? Nothing. Black Lives Matter is fighting for the sanctity and dignity of black life. It should be something that everybody should be aligned with and in adherence to, including the president. Chapter 17, I thought the way you explained D-Ray McKesson in that chapter was interesting. It, it, was, it, was, it was tasteful, but it was firm. You know what I mean? DeRay. DeRay, I'm sorry. Why, why was it important to explain to people that DeRay, as you said, was, was taking credit for BLM? You know, I felt conflicted. But again, it does feel important to me to tell the truth. And part of the truth, right, is that we have allowed people to overstate their roles. It's not really about him. It's, I'm using him as an example to talk about a larger phenomenon because he's not the only one. And um, I want us to ask ourselves these questions. Why is it, right, that we can't see a leader of a movement as a Black queer woman with two nose rings and tattoos, mm -hmm. right? But we can certainly and feel fine about um, seeing a leader of a movement being somebody who wears a blue vest and is a man. We have to ask ourselves these questions. You mentioned that and blue I, vest a lot in that chapter. <laughs> Pat Patagonia, I think it's called. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, I also want us to better understand we have a lot more work to do on um, building unity amongst the diversity and complexity of our communities. And there also has to be a place where we all come together and hash out what is our common agenda. Um, and that work takes both sides of things, right? It takes the unity work, but it also takes the what are our particular concerns work. Wow. Her name is Alicia Garza. The book is incredible. Um, and Alicia, you are loved, you are valued, you are appreciated. And, you know, I'm just happy that you exist. I'm glad that you're here to do the work. Thank you for having me. Thank you, me. Queen. Oh, thank I you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Well, it's Alicia Garza. Tell it's them about the podcast real quick. Tell them oh, where, yeah. they, where they can go subscribe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So check out Lady Don't Take No podcast, which is pop culture, politics with a side of beauty recommendations. And actually, we're going to have you, Charlemagne, on the show next week. So yeah, don't we're not talking about beauty recommendations. First of all, my skin Charlemagne. is flawless. My skin is flawless. You know Stop. Yeah, thank you. I'm saying um, <laughs> everywhere you get your podcast, it's available. And I'm stoked to have you on next week. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Go get the purpose of power, everybody. Alicia right. Garza, it's the Breakfast Club. Hey. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Clubs. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Buster Rhymes, the mighty infamous. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Y'all gonna put some respect on Buster Rhymes' name. Shout the boss. Now let's talk about verses. Here's what T.I. had to say about why he wouldn't do a verses with Buster. I salute and respect Buster a whole lot. I just think the generation, the gap, it might be a little bit, just a little too much. Just a little too much. Just a little too much on it. 
Twister and Buster, that gonna be cow. I still want to see Buster and Missy. I, I agree. Buster and T.I. doesn't make sense. No, man. I told y'all this all week long. Buster wants to battle anybody, though, and I'm not mad at him. He feels he has a catalog, which he does, and he'll spank a lot of people's asses. But I think T.I. and Jeezy, I think that's a better matchup. T.I. and Jeezy is phenomenal versus. Didn't Buster respond you? Well, yes. We are going to get to that right now. Here's what Buster had to say. You respectfully decline. I guess that's the fancy way to say that you turned down this versus battle. You want to talk about generational gap? That's a very respectful way of not saying that you don't really want to sit in the smoking section with me. It's cool, Tip. You can say it, King of the South. So let's not make no excuses, King. Just tell the people you was really not ready to get this ass whooping on the world stage. That's the truth. Now, I salute and respect Buster Rhymes as well. He's one of the greatest hip-hop performers of all time. Uh, I love Buster's music. In fact, one of my favorite hip-hop songs ever is Why We Die, featuring DMX and Jay-Z, produced by Swiss off Buster's Anarchy album. But with that said, musically, he would not win a versus against T.I. It's a terrible matchup. Stylistically, T.I. would manhandle Buster musically. What I want to see as well is Buster versus Missy. See, see when you start well, using Buster words says like manhandling on... and all that, I don't like what you start talking about. I don't care like what you that, like. Man. It's the truth, and you know that as well. Talking, well, Buster also does not think <laughs> like that he would like hesitate that. to take on even more than one artist at a time. Listen to this. Now, to the rest of the world, again, I'll repeat, whoever, wherever, whatever. As a matter of fact, I don't mind going up against two different artists in the same mm. versus. A menage versus. Whoa, come on, ye. That's <laughs> nasty. What's wrong with you? What? It's three you people in a versus. That? That's Jesus Friday. Christ. Freaky, freaky, freaky. <laughs> oh, you got to take things so Just a versus. Else. I guess it would really be a versus a trois. Woo-ha. Right. <laughs> All right. Now, Amber Rose was talking about how things went downhill with her and 21 Savage. You know, she had a lot to say on uh, her pod- on the podcast with uh, No Jumper. And here's what you have to say. It's really like that I'm a hoe too sign that kind of started their downward spiral. Are you the one who told him to hold the sign <laughs> that says I'm a hoe? No, actually, he, he that's what he wanted to do. And okay. I think that was ultimately the demise of our relationship. Really? You think that's where it started? <laughs> yeah, I think so. In what way? Like, like, I think that he was being very supportive. And he was like, man, I should hold a sign that says I'm a hoe too. <laughs> and I was like, that would be really great for feminism. Like, slut walk, you know, you're a rapper. And like, <laughs> he held it up. And then after that, I think the internet just went in on him too much. And it was just not... It wasn't good after that. <laughs> Get 21 keeping on it the real phone. Go- <laughs> We're keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> Big hoe, okay? Get 21 on the phone. Somebody yeah, asked sure. him if that is really the reason, man. Okay. He's like, man, I held up a sign that said I'm a hoe, too. I got to get out here and be Big, a hoe, too. Big hoe. <laughs> All right. Uh-uh. Okay. He probably, it sounded like a great idea. Execution. Yeah, I'd be After mad. that, just. <laughs> yeah, listen, women don't make you do strange things. I started arching my eyebrows back in the day because of two women. Yo, I'm going to post <laughs> oh, that so picture you admit today. It. Have y'all seen that picture? That's why I never Terrible. said, I never not admitted it. Leonard the Latino. What about the eyeliner? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Leonard the Latino. Why well, I had to be Latino. Yeah, I don't like this. Because Latinos why? usually do their eyebrows. Do what? Who says that? Shape the eyebrows. How you know? I go to the barber shop and they be like, How you do know? my eyebrows. And they go, chick, chick, chick. Oh, because you're admitting you're a Latino now. Oh, I don't. See, I, I don't. That's what people do. And they think they said something racist. All of a sudden, hey, I'm that. I'm no. That. <laughs> I'm just saying, when I go to the barber shop, my Latin brothers, they arch their eyebrows. Yeah, two women, uh, <laughs> Nina and Shanara, they gassed me to arch my eyebrows. 
back in the day. You never seen and the pictures eyeliner? on those? It's terrible. I saw you, it. Oh, you seen it? Oh, my, oh my God. It's bad. It's terrible. Get the thinnest eyebrows I've ever seen. <laughs> the thinnest oh eyebrows God. ever. That's what I get for trying to be Latino. <laughs> I don't like this whole narrative you guys are pushing right <laughs> you now. You put eyeliner on, too? All right. Well, that is your rumor report. I'm Angela Yee. You seen eyeliner, Yee? Nah, it wasn't no eyeliner. Where's eyeliner? Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I had thick-ass eyebrows. Okay. And they arched it. Mm-hmm. What okay, they got to do with your eyeliner? Hey, what they got to do with your eyeliner? What are you talking about? Eyeliner. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I... I'll admit it next year. Okay. <laughs> I've never used eyeliner. I'm not like y'all. I don't lie about stuff. Envy been in here with a fake beard all for the, since we've been back from the quarantine. Beijing out, but trying mm-hmm. to convince us that's real. He got you there. He doesn't got me here, man. Guy, yo, you know damn Beijing. Okay. All right. All right. And stop using my mic, too. <laughs> who are you talking what? to? Who, who, are you giving yeah. that, who are you giving that donkey to, man? Um, Aaron Honaker. He needs to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with him. You don't know who Aaron Honaker is, do you? No. Well, you'll find out for after the hour. All right. We'll get into it next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Tuesday, October 27th at 9, 8 central on BET. Comic Trio 85 South hosts the 2020 BET Hip Hop Awards with 2 Chains, Big Sean, Burner Boy, Gucci Man, Janae Eichel, Little Baby, City Girls, and Toby Nwigwe. Plus... Music mogul Master P gets the I Am Hip Hop Award. For more information, search hashtag Hip Hop Awards. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed play. So like a donkey. Yeehaw, okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Well, donkey today for Friday, October 21st. Today is the, no, what's today? What is today? I believe. 23rd. You both 23rd, yes. Oh. Friday, October 23rd. 21st was uh, Jazz Fly's born day. Salute to Jazz Fly. Donkey today for Friday, October 23rd goes to a Miami attorney named Aaron Honaker. Good morning, Miami. Uh, salute to everybody who listens to us on 1035 The Beat in Miami. Uh, Logic, DJ 33, what's happening? Good morning, my brothers. Uh, drop on the clues bombs for 1035 The Beat. I love Miami. But Miami is absolutely a part of Florida. Okay, what did your Uncle Shala always say? The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. You know what's so interesting? It was a brief moment, a very brief moment, where people from Florida would would attempt to dispute me on that. Not anymore. Okay, I think people from Florida have finally taken a step back and started to see what we all see. Yeah, started to hear what we all hear, and they cannot deny that something is simply not right with Florida. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the state, the water, the sun, the people. It's just something about, you know, Florida. Okay, see, in Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm from, we say, that boy, that fool up now. But it's levels to fool up. And on the fool scale of one to Florida, every other state in America is about a four or five. But Florida fool, oof. That's just a different level. It's just it's the softest scale. See, crazy things happen everywhere. But when you hear about it, you can understand it somewhat. You know, you get why certain crazy things happen in places. When things happen in Florida, it makes all of us just say, why? It's out of the realm of our understanding. And this story of Aaron Honaker is no different. See, Aaron is 41 years old. And he's an attorney. Drop on the clues bombs for all the attorneys out there. You are appreciated. Uh, I Googled how much an attorney can make in Miami. The yearly salary, I think, is $96,958 per year. Almost a, almost 100000 Okay, that point is very important. I want you to remember that number. You know why? Because Aaron, this Miami attorney, is, is currently in federal custody after being charged with trying to rob five banks Mm-mm-mm. since September 30th. If you can't make this stuff up, let's go to WPLG Local 10 for the report, please. 
At one point in time, Aaron Patrick Honecker was a local attorney. Now the FBI says he's a serial bank robber. Feds announcing the 41-year-old's arrest Wednesday in Coral Gables, saying he's the man in these surveillance photos linking Honecker to at least four bank robberies in the Gables since September 30th and at least one in Aventura. Wake Forest University confirms Honecker earned his law degree there in 2005. And this profile on FloridaBar.org shows him as a member in good standing, though the law firm listed as his place of employment tells us Honecker said disappeared two years ago and they haven't seen or heard from him since now i didn't go to college but last time i checked to become an attorney you had to get a bachelor's degree right then you got to go to law school right so that's like mm-hmm. seven to eight years of your life that you spent committed to working towards this goal of becoming an attorney okay lawyers is something that a lot of people aspire to be um you know claire huxtable was a lawyer Okay, we all, Maxine Shaw, attorney at law. Okay, Matlock, Ali McBeal. These people all made me think lawyers were like what you wanted to be in our society as kids. You know, you got to, you know, you, you have a degree, you know, a validation that allows you to make almost $100,000 a year legally in Miami, Aaron. But you, instead of wanting to be Claire Huxtable, you want to be Cleo from Set It Off and Rob Banks. Now, would you like to know how much he got from two of the five banks? Because he was only successful at robbing two. You know how much he got? How much? Wait for it, because this is one of the reasons he's getting donkey today. He robbed two banks, big penitentiary chants, for $1,850. He robbed two banks and received $1,850. You took big penitentiary chances for $1,850. This guy got caught in between bank robberies. The police saw him driving downtown to Miracle Mile and arrested him. He had a hammer on him and a demand note. And not a hammer hammer like a gun, a hammer hammer like a tool, okay? And he admitted that the TD Bank at 255, uh, I think it's Alhambra Circle, was next on his robbery attempt list. Now, another reason Aaron is getting donkier today is because you would think since he's an attorney, he would be representing himself, right? Wrong. He's got a public defender. Okay, he made his first appearance in court this week, and they're keeping his ass. They want to detain him before trial, but he has a bond here in the day, so maybe he'll get out. Let me tell you something. You know that kid whose parents were doing pretty well, and he or she didn't have to hang in the street and do hood rat with you and your friends? That's who this guy Aaron is, okay? And there's nothing left to do here except play a game of Guess What Race It Is! <laughs> Stop Googling, Envy. Get not- your little yellow beige fingers off your laptop right now. Now, Aaron Honecker, a Miami attorney, 41 years old, dubbed a serial bank robber, successfully robbed two banks for $1,850, got caught with a hammer, not a gun, the actual tool, okay? Angela Yee, Guess What race he is! I'm going to say he is white. Mm. What what, what leads you to that conclusion, Angela? His last name's Hanukkah. No, Hanukkah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't going to front. I thought the same thing. I was thinking (laughs) of the last name Hanukkah. Mute mute, mute Angela's mic while we talk for two minutes. I need to (laughs) mute her mic while we talk for two minutes, please. DJ Envy. Yes. Now, Aaron Honecker, a Miami attorney, 41 years old, dubbed a serial bank robber, successfully robbed two banks for $1,850, got caught with a hammer, not a gun, the actual tool. Guess what race he is? All right. White. Y'all, I think I, I'm not saying he's white, but I think y'all might have googled. Why do y'all think this? Um, well, I was on the same thing as you. I, I, st- I thought the last name was Hanukkah, so I was like, I don't know any black people's last <laughs> name. Who the hell said Hanukkah? I said that. I said Hanukkah. I said Hanukkah. I mean, 
Honaker. You said Honaker. Her. Honaker. That definitely right. Whatever. And then, what? uh, and then you said a hammer. I think if it was black, he would have had a real gun. He wouldn't have had no no hammer. Who walks around with a hammer? It's, custodians. I just it. As soon as you said, <laughs> said Hanukkah, construction workers. Oh yeah, I mean, but not attorneys. First of all, I didn't say Hanukkah. You did I, say Hanukkah. I said Hanukkah. It's H O N A K E R. Dramas. What did he say? It sounded like Hanukkah. It might be the lisp, though. It's not your fault. You know what? Yeah. You know it's what? You know what? He's Latin. Now he's Latin. <laughs> he's Latin. He? Wow. No, <laughs> he's not actually. Uh, sadly, you two are right. Aaron Hanukkah hey. is a white man. Yeah, I don't know, Caucasian. I don't know any black people last name Hanukkah. That's why. I it's, na- it's Hanukkah. You said Hanukkah. Please give Chelsea. Please let Chelsea Handler give uh, Aaron Hanukkah the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw. That is way too much Dan mayonnaise. What's this new big donkey, Daniel? Say we got. Say we got a big donkey. Let me hear. Hee-haw, hee-haw, hee-haw. <laughs> the hell was happening in that donkey? <laughs> I'm calling Peter. I think, I think Sorry, that was Dan. Kevin that Bacon that. wasn't in Footloose. What? Of course he was. No, he wasn't. You lose. Of course he was. He was the star. Nope, he, you're wrong. Look it up. I don't have to look it up. It's common knowledge. No, he was on the nope, cover of no People magazine. No, when the movie no, he, everyone no, knows Kevin no, Bacon was a star no, of Footloose. No, it was, it was no, a huge movie. No, he was the no, lead. No, 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 no. Alright, I think that we need a black producer just to balance. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> just to balance um, that poor donkey. <laughs> What did that donkey do to anybody? It's what race our producer is. Guess what race it is? I'm going to go with white. Am I right? White? Oh, he's telling us to wrap up. <laughs> he's, he's, to wrap up. he's turning bright red. He's like, wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, come in here and bring some goddamn balance. Oh, my goodness. All right. Thank you. Daniel Hanukkah. <laughs> Daniel Hanukkah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's get out of here before we get in trouble. Oh, I think it's over. All right. <laughs> Up next, Angela Rye will be joining us. Mm. My sister Rye. AR40. She's right. doing something tomorrow at the uh, the forum in Inglewood, actually. It's called, um, well, she'll tell you about it. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela E, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. My sister. I have no hope right now, Miss Rye. We have Angela Rye. Hello. Hey, oh, that's 40. a sad way, NV, to be like, oh, I have no hope. I right have now. no hope right now, no, man. I, 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 I got hope. I got hope. But I, I will say this. Um, I would love for you, Angela, this morning, because we all saw the debates last night. Even yeah. though both candidates are trash. Tell people why they should still vote on November 3rd. That's a good, that, that's a good point. Well, first, I don't want to call human beings trash. Stop it. So to the to the one human being on the stage, I'm still going to hold out a little bit of hope for there. So you have, you have confidence in Joe Biden? Do you like Joe Biden? No, you don't. I'm going to tell, tell you where I have confidence. I have confidence in Kamala Harris. Same. And she wasn't on the debate stage. Now, let's move right along to the challenges and why it's most important to overcome those challenges to vote on November 3rd, you know, I'm actually going to steal a line from Andrew. I did a podcast last night with Andrew Gillum and Bakari Sellers. And Andrew said something that's so important that I know you all will appreciate. And that is that it's time for us to stop dream selling and to start truth telling. Yeah, and I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about candidates and the whole political process. And we tell everybody to put everything on the line for November 3rd. And then we're surprised, right, when people are like, well, nothing changed when I went in, when I went to vote. 
Nothing changed when I cast my vote for you and, and, and overnight my community wasn't changed and overnight my city wasn't changed or my state wasn't changed. My kid's school looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And Andrew said something that was so important. He said that that's the front door of democracy. I always say that that's the starting line, right? When you go to the, the voting booth, that's just the first thing you can do, but that's not all we should be doing. And the biggest problem I think is we tell people, vote like your life depends on it. You should, but also there are several other things you have to do to make sure you protect your livelihood, you protect your ability to survive, and you protect our ability when we weren't even considered um, able to get these things from the Declaration of Independence, but life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness doesn't all come on election day. Mm -hmm. That's the hard thing. And so we have to make sure people understand if you don't participate, then those three things are less likely, but there's a lot we have to do to ensure those things become likely. I, I would also like for you to explain just let you know what, what Trump has right now, like, you know, as far as the courts are concerned and, you know, yeah. Well, and I just have to point out that clearly my sales pitch didn't work because here was envy when I was done. Yeah, you're not sell, you're not selling us on Biden. <laughs> you're not. We're voting though. Yeah, yeah. I right, voted but here's already. the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not selling Biden, right? He he's not for sale to me, right? I think what I'm saying is there's one side that I would prefer to engage. There's one side that I would prefer to fight to get to where we need to be. I agree. We can't fight. We can't fight Trump on where we need to be. Right. This dude stood on the debate stage, and every time he opened his mouth, he was lying. Joe like, Biden lied a lot too, though, and I don't. That's what I don't like. I, it's like okay. two. Old, you know Where what I saw lie? last night? I saw an old white male politician and his boss, an old rich white man, and I'm tired of that in America. I hate it. Yeah, that's yeah, what I saw. I, and I understand why you hate it because the reality of it is you don't feel seen or heard. I get that, but at the same time. When we got to the racial justice portion of the conversation and Joe Biden talked about the ability to just see things differently. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is talking about he's the least racist person in the room. The <laughs> fact that you are on the spectrum of racism, brother, sit down. Like we, and then the debate before he said, stand back and stand by. Now, I don't know why Joe, Joe Biden told the people, he said, stand around and sit down, whatever he and said. And the poor and boys, the poor boys and the oh, black the people. Poor <laughs> He said, let me have that fried shrimp sandwich from New Orleans. What's that thing called? Yeah, a po' boy. Oh, my goodness. What are we talking about? And so I think that at the end of the day, what we have to remember is that voting is up at the top of the ballot from the highest office in the land, the president, to the bottom. When you look at the fact that 60 plus percent of Americans know who they were voting for before last night's debate, that's what we have to remember. Folks already know. You mm -hmm. said, Lenard, you said it right. Like, what if we started talking to people about the Supreme Court, about all of the federal judicial appointments that not only Donald Trump can make, but all of those that Barack Obama wasn't able to make? I've been mm -hmm. so frustrated in this process because Kamala and Joe Biden haven't talked about what is deserved by us on the courts. And they should because we literally were hamstrung by Mitch McConnell. When you start having those conversations with people, their position shifts. I did an informal focus group um, the night before last and brought up Amy Coney Barrett's record, who of course they're about to shove through this, uh, the Senate nominating process. They, they didn't know, or some of them did know that she said that the N-word, saying the N-word at work by your supervisor does not constitute a hostile working environment. And I said, what if you had the opportunity, <laughs> right? Like, what are you talking about? If, if, if you had the opportunity 
to get a judge on the Supreme Court or in a federal judicial appointment who thought like you, would that be enough for you to vote? If you think Joe Biden doesn't represent your interests, would you think that's enough? Everybody say yes. So yeah. we don't do a good job of telling people how important the judiciary is. So if they had the opportunity to pick judges who think like them, who are going to enforce the laws that are passed in Congress, that's reason enough for them to vote. Progressives don't talk about that enough yeah. at all. Somebody like a Daniel Cameron, attorney general, if you don't like what's happening with that, then those are people that you can vote for too. So it's not just the president. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I was talking about the federal judiciary, but you're absolutely right. State attorney general appointments, district attorneys, mm -hmm. um, the people who are representing you in the state legislature. This is a census year, y'all. They're drawing legislative districts for the state and federal positions, elected offices. Right. Like we have, have to be telling people the truth about the process. And of course, you can look at them and say, um, and I'm just talking about everyday Americans to say, well, they should know better. Well, they don't because they stopped teaching civics at school forever ago. Like, I'm blessed because I grew up around that. I don't know how many people had to learn civics from Schoolhouse Rock, but that ain't on air either, right? Yeah. So that's that's our truth. How, how did you how did you like Biden's reply to the 94 crime bill last night? Wait, wait, wait. Don't answer. Don't answer. We'll come back and we'll uh -huh. talk to Angela Ross some more. Don't move. Angela Ross here. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're kicking it with Angela Rye. Now, Charlamagne, you just had a question for Miss Rye. Yeah, I was just asking. You know, how did how did she like Biden's reply to the '94 crime bill? Only because I know that's the things that people you know aren't feeling this morning. That his his answers and stuff like that. I'm tired of saying that this is a it's a big issue. It's the elephant in the room. It is the thing that's going to keep on coming up every time race is addressed. It's the only thing that Joe Biden, I mean, um, Donald Trump, <laughs> I'm confusing the two now, Jesus, that Donald Trump has against Joe Biden, right? It's the only thing that he has. And to hear him effectively talk about the number of people whose sentences were commuted under the Obama administration and who was granted clemency compared to the handful of people Donald Trump gave uh, clemency to is a palatable point, but it's not when you compare that to what happened in 82, 84, 86, 88, and 94. Mm -hmm. It's all of those things, it's the collective, and you have to be clear about the fact that this doesn't align with where we are now, so you can't defend it, right? The other problem that we have is People were waiting a long time for Donald Trump to apologize to the Central Park Five. Hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. He called for the death penalty again of them as well. And he also called for more police on the streets. So he's able to speak out of both sides of his mouth in ways that Joe Biden couldn't and shouldn't. I'm not advocating for that. But I think the reality of it is, is white supremacy or white toxicity exists on both sides of the aisle and it needs to be addressed as such. Stop defending that nonsense. People's lives were destroyed behind that. And I think that his campaign's gotta do him right and tell him that. Of course, again, we all know where we're voting. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it right. And so I'm saying at this late date, this isn't about securing a vote. This is about saying and committing that you are ready to do the right thing. And I think that's what it boils down to at this point. Donald Trump asked a great question last night. Uh, that hasn't been answered. And, and I would love for you to speak to this. He said, Biden, you've been in the Senate for 47 years. You were VP for eight years and you did none of these things you said you wanted to do. What, how, would, how, how would you reply to that? Well, I think, again, it demonstrates that Donald Trump doesn't have a real clear understanding of how government works. Right. When you're in the United States Senate, you are one voting member of 100. 
And so even when you sponsor legislation and you're pushing things through, you don't always get your way. I think it's an uh, it's a, a misstatement of what he did under the Obama administration, everything from overseeing uh, the government's recovery to an economic crisis brought to you by George W. Bush. Um, he was responsible for helping to find a cure for cancer after his son, Bo Biden, was diagnosed with cancer. Um, there were a number of other initiatives he led, including the auto bailout. So there are things that he did, whether or not people like them while he was in elected office is something to be debated and has been hotly contested and debated throughout this cycle. But I think it's a misstatement to say he didn't do anything. I guess he was um, speaking specifically to the, to, to the black community. Oh, 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 well, and then I think in that moment, Joe Biden talked about clemency that was granted, but we all know enough wasn't done. Nobody has done enough in our 401 years of being here. And you cannot put all of that at the feet of Joe Biden. Not one of the past 43 <laughs> white presidents has done this before the one black president that we had. And all of a sudden, I think all of us made the mistake um, optimistically assuming, right, that Barack Obama could undo all of America's racism when he had to fight against it himself in his eight years. And so, and he didn't have control of the Senate, which is very important. Speaking, yeah, speaking well, he didn't have control of the Senate for part of his term. But when he did, they got the um, Affordable Care Act done, which they call Obamacare. And as we know, uh, Donald Trump, since his first day in office, has tried to undo that. Like not even how can you stand on a debate stage in the midst of coronavirus and say that you don't support a federal minimum wage mandate? Like people can barely pay their bills. And that's what Donald Trump stood up there and said yesterday. We have a big problem with him. And again, I'm just saying the person that I would rather fight to get further to where we need them to be more progressive, and I could probably hold them to it, is an administration that's full of appointees that I know and I'm familiar with and happy to have the debate with versus Donald Trump that claims that he is um, the most or uh, the best president for black people. The least, Abraham. most least, the most least racist president. The least racist. <laughs> That's a low bar. I, I might be racist, but at least I'm the least. You look at Donald Trump and he'll go on Rogan's podcast. He'll do his core. But if you look at Biden, you, you haven't seen Biden on Sway. You haven't seen him on Steve Harvey. You haven't seen him on Ricky Smiley. You haven't seen him on none of the black programs, no, not The Breakfast Club, not Big Boy. Yeah. Like, it seems like he's scared of the core. So, you guys, I think part of this is, um, Lenard, it's Lenard's fault. He scared him. <laughs> 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 the last time he was on with y'all, uh, Donald Trump did get his basic line of attack against Joe Biden for the whole ass election, and that right. is on the crime bill. <laughs> like, I take that back. I guess you're right. Lenard ruined that. Well, I, I, but, um, but I think that the, the most important thing is something that you guys are raising, and that is you cannot take your base for granted. You word. can't. The two largest voting blocks in the Democratic Party are black women and black men, and I think probably a real close second are Latina, Latinx men and women, right? And that is you all's base. You have to come to the Breakfast Club to talk to that electorate. You have to know the pulse of the culture by coming here. You cannot ignore your base and expect to then also serve And your not base. just us. It could be anyone. Like I said, it could be Steve Harvey. It could be Big Boy. It could be... Well, I, I, I said the Breakfast Club. Okay. Oh, I agree. <laughs> but no, no shade to the other folks who are doing great things, but I think you all established yourselves in 2016 with the interview with Hillary, every single presidential candidate um, came on the Breakfast Club this term, and I think that that says a lot about who you all are to the culture. 
Um, and so for that, I definitely will tell you thank you. And I'll also tell the campaign they made a big mistake not sending the candidates here. It's a, it's a very important stop to make. There are questions that you all have that are valid, even if they're tough. Those are questions that they have to be prepared to answer clearly on the debate stage and attack ads from other campaigns. It's just it's just a critical mission critical. Even yeah, during Sen- the midterms, folks came on this show. Yeah. Yeah, I think Senator Harris is coming coming next week before before the election. But she's been here for several super times. Super important. Yeah. Super important. Well, Rob, we had, we, Angela, oh, wait, wait. Rob, we appreciate t- you. T- for, tell for them what you're doing us. tomorrow, Angela. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I'm wearing this shirt, Elect Justice. Um, we're doing these big events. I hope that we'll make y'all proud. You know, you guys are my family. Um, and we're going to be in 14 cities all over the country. Um, the biggest one will be here in L.A. where I am right now at the Forum in Inglewood. Elect Justice is about ensuring that black and brown voters know that we're not there asking for something without making sure that basic needs are met in return. You all know we're in the middle of a pandemic within a pandemic within a pandemic at the crossroads of COVID, um, economic injustice, and of course, all of the racial injustice that exists in this country. We're giving away PPE, we're giving away meals for the day, groceries, um, and also offering COVID testing. So we encourage you all to check it out. Shout out to our partners when we all vote. Black Voters Matter and everybody else that's participating. We'll be streaming on Tidal um, all day tomorrow. Um, well, for two and a half hours tomorrow. And we hope that people will come through if they need anything. You can also, the most important thing, you can cast the early vote. Um, tomorrow is National Early Vote Day. Uh, so we're also making sure that people can cast the early vote and drop those ballots off. You don't have to put them in the mail if you don't want to. So 1 to 5 p.m. tomorrow at the Forum. Yes. Yes. 3900 West Manchester Boulevard in Inglewood, California. All right. Well, Angela And other 14 cities. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Angela Rye, it's The Breakfast Club. We got rumors on the way. The Breakfast Club. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela Angela Yee. It's The Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. So, you know, there's a new Borat movie out. Sasha Baron Cohen has put this out. They actually released it right before the debate, also, by the way. And then afterwards, Sasha Baron Cohen hosted a live Q&A with Borat <laughs> as well to answer any questions that you might have. Now, everybody's been talking about this Giuliani part of the movie where he thinks he's talking to a, a woman that's a reporter that's posing as Sasha Baron Cohen's teenage daughter. And here's what happened in the actual movie. Thank you again for... A- giving me this time. Shall we have a drink in the bedroom? What up? There you go, my dear. Okay. You can give me your phone number and your address. Should we sleep your jacket? Okay. Put down your crumb. She's 15. She's too old for you. Yeah, what, she, why are you no, she's my daughter. Please, take me instead. Take my anus. No, no, take my anus. Do not have her. Now, you can see, if you watch it, that Giuliani is, like, putting his hand down his pants. That's what it appears to be like. And that's when Borat bursts into the room and says, she's 15, she's too old for you. Now, Giuliani has been defending himself, saying he was just fixing his shirt, tucking it in. Uh, he was threatening to sue. Well, here is the character of Borat actually defending his very good friend Giuliani. I here to defend America's mayor, Rudolph Giuliani. What was an innocent, sexy time encounter between a consenting man and my 15-year-old daughter have been turned into something disgusting by fake news media? I warn you, 
anyone else try this, and Rudolf will not hesitate to reach into his legal briefs and whip out his subpoenas. Let me tell you something. I think Borat is hilarious. Uh, I loved watching that show when it was on Showtime, but I really don't understand how he gets away with the kind of stuff that he does. Me neither. How did he not know? I, I don't get it, but I also don't understand how Rudy Giuliani is getting away with this. It's like nobody cares. It's like dude got caught in a hotel with an underage girl. If it hadn't, you know, have been a prank, it would have definitely went down, but nobody is talking about it. Like, we've canceled people <laughs> on social media for less. Like, like why, why is this normalized when it comes from, like, the Trumps and the Giuliani's of the world. Well, he's trying to explain himself by saying that he was just trying to fix his shirt and tuck it back in and, you know, that he hadn't done anything wrong. Borat I... waited 60 more seconds. Oh, yeah, right, been, before he, he busted he, in the room. Well, he'd have been complicit then, though. Nah. Well, she's really 24 years old. She's yeah. an actor in real life. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not really a teenager. She's playing a 15-year-old. How do we know uh, this stuff ain't <laughs> scripted and all of them not in on it, yo? I just can't believe I don't he think Giuliani would want this. Think, yeah, he gets these he politicians and world leaders in these compromising positions all the time. I'm like, I, I, I don't see it. Where the cameras at when all of this is happening? What do they think is going on? Like, what did Rudy Giuliani think was happening when when he was being filmed? Uh, he thought he was getting. Uh, get, uh, listen, you got to watch it because it really, literally, just came out yesterday. So, you know, we can't answer all of that yet. But looks like it's going to be pretty funny, right? All right, now let's talk about Lorenz Tate. His movie, Business <clears throat> Ethics, is out today on Amazon Prime. And actually, his production company with his brothers, the Tatemen, they produced this film. And it's all about uh, Lorenz Tate plays the main character. And he is a really smart man, but he starts kind of, a, I guess, a Ponzi scheme and starts getting money from some of these rich people. Here is the trailer. You can cheat people out of a lot of money. I'll set you up with a million bucks. Two million bucks. Five million dollars. Things were good. There's a gentleman here to see you. Oh, so I thought. There's no sure sign of a great business than having people try to kill you. So that's on Amazon, Amazon Prime Video today, iTunes, or Google Play. Hey, man, salute to the good brother, Lorenz Tate. Absolutely, you my brother. I support Lorenz Tate in anything he does. I mean, Lorenz Tate is is classic, legendary, you know, and, and I, I'm definitely checking that out. Yeah, this is that role that he's playing was originally meant for a white man, but he loved that part so much, and he ended up landing that role. All right, there's an Elton John Barbie doll now, if you want to get that, the Tiny Dancer doll. It's uh, being released to <laughs> coincide with Elton John's 45-year anniversary of his concert. It was the largest single artist concert in history at the time at Dodger Stadium back in 1975. So you can order that Elton John Tiny Dancer. I was thinking about getting that for you for Christmas. What, the Tiny Dancer, though? Yep. All right. <laughs> it's cute. Tiny Dancer, though. Twinkle Toes. <laughs> Well, and I just want to shout out everybody who has albums out today. Ty Dolla Sign featuring Ty Dolla Sign is out. Join the Lucas mm -hmm. Evolution. Both uh, Cell Soul Two is out today. Uh, King Crooked Flag Black Zach Eight Hundred Three Legend Davies put out the deluxe version of Karma Three. Uh, Tech Nine Fear Exodus that's the EP and that's out today. Also new music from Sweetie and Janae Iko Back to the Streets. Oh, and Chanel West Coast album America's Sweetheart is also out today. Okay. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that's your rumor report. All right, now uh, shout to one of the leaders of Light Skin. His birthday is tomorrow. Ooh, Drake. So we're actually going to get a Drake uh, mix on today. Let me know your favorite Drake joint. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning, Revolt. We'll see you on Monday. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same.
is DJ Envy, and for 55 years, the General Insurance has been giving people affordable auto insurance with excellent customer service. Get custom coverage that's right for you and immediate proof of insurance. Call them at 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, shout out to everybody that's attending uh, my webinar over the weekend. We are actually taking a one-family home that we purchased, and we're uh, flipping it. We're going from start to flip, so you get to see everything from purchasing the home, where we got the home from, to demo, to uh, framing, to electric and plumbing and insulation and then flooring and windows and we go through the whole process uh, and the house wasn't that expensive the house was $140,000 we put uh, about 40 to $50,000 into the house and uh we selling it for 405 so it's about a $200,000 profit so we break that all down how we got the house and all that good stuff so uh definitely click the link in my bio if you guys want more information Man, I've been having so many issues trying to start working on this new house I got, but it's a little different. Well, <laughs> the house that we that we purchased was one hundred and fifty thousand. Your house was uh, about maybe hey. thirty of those houses. <laughs> but you know what, though, I didn't know this, but they have this law here where you have to get a sprinkler system installed in your house. A sprinkler system so, is so cheesy, but they got some nice ones where they have like the sprinkler system and they have like a a cage over it that looks a little. Looks better. Well, you won't see it. It's going to be um, underneath the ceiling, but that means you got to rip apart the ceiling, and then it's a lot of money to even just get the sprinkler system from the street that you have to pay to get that part done, but it's, like, mandatory. Damn it, man. All right, yeah. well, when we come back, we got the positive note. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, shout to Angela Rye for joining us this morning. Salute to my sister, AR40, and make sure y'all go check her out tomorrow at the uh, Forum in Inglewood from 1 to 5 p.m. They're doing this thing called Elect Justice, and it's like an early vote uh, early vote rally, food and PPE giveaway. They got COVID testing, all types of stuff from 1 to 5 p.m. tomorrow at the Forum <clears throat> in Inglewood, California. And also, and she Elise, said 14 other states also, right? 14, I mean, 14 other cities too. Yep. Also, Alicia Garza for joining us this morning as well. Yes. Please go pick up Alicia Garza's book, um, The Purpose of Power. It's a great read. I read it in like 48 hours. Like it's, 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 it really does humanize the BLM movement and the BLM organization in a real way. And not just the BLM organization, just this whole era of new leadership and these new movements we have. It, it puts a lot of things in perspective. So salute to Alicia Garza. All right. Now you got a positive note? I do, man. The positive note is more just like, um, you know, a thank you. You know, I, I don't think we give God enough gratitude. And I want a lot of y'all this morning, man, to really, really, really look in the mirror and smile and, you know, say to yourself, God, thank you for not just throwing my teeth in my mouth like like, like God was shooting dice, okay? Some of y'all really need to go see a dentist. Some of y'all really need braces, all right? Have a great Breakfast weekend. Club, bitches! We all finished or y'all done?